Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Okay. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making your way here, checking out the episode. I uh, hope you hit that subscribe button while you're here. Three new interviews every single week, a new one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it is a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones as well. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Merritt. Today, I am talking with Animal Collective's A.V. Tear. We're going to be sitting down at A.V., of course, our real name, David Portner. We get to talk about Time Skiffs. It's the very first Animal Collective album in six years. Uh, David's going to take us into the visual world that the band's created for this set, in which he says linear time doesn't exist. Uh, there was also a visual album that came before this uh, a couple years ago called Tangerine Reef. I want to hear about that influence on the set and why doing that record in turn had him uh, looking backwards at their career for one of the first times as he entered these sessions. Uh, we also get to talk about how fans compare their current material to their earlier sounds, his knack of melody balanced with his love of minimalism, and what it means to be a band from America. There's some really interesting lyrics on this uh, on this album that kind of lead to that conversation as well. There's also going to be a companion record, more songs that were recorded during the sessions that uh, David says will be seeing the light of Dave as well, and, and hopefully soon. So let's do it. Talking about Time Skiffs, it's Kyle Meredith with Animal Collective's A.V. Tear. I'm doing well. 
So we got a brand new record on our hands here called Time Skips. Congratulations on this one. I mean, what, what a, I, I, there's, there's probably a lot of adjectives I want to put in here, but it's fun. It's, it's unique. It's creative. It's trippy. It's everything that I think I want out of uh, an animal collective record. So great job. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a long time coming this one. <laughs> long, uh, longest we've ever spent working on a record. I feel like. So I'm glad, I'm glad it's paying off and at least that, I mean, we enjoy it, but you know, it's always good to know that it's, you know, other people are, 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 are digging it. You know, I, I don't know how much you all think about this once the, the record is made or beforehand, but inevitably because of the way you all create, there ends up being this world beyond the music. I mean, there's a, there's the visual components of it, but there's, you know, just the way the songs like, is that part of it? And, and if so, what is the world you all are creating for this record here? It happens. It's a part of it. Sometimes it's a little bit more uh, intentional than others. And sometimes we only really um, start to understand these worlds that we're creating like well into the process. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it, it, it's all, mo I think I can speak for all of us in the band um, uh, in that we're all very process oriented. You know, the process is a very important part. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the process just inspires us a lot and, and inspires the world that's created around the record. So I feel like it becomes, at least for me, um, it becomes this, uh, you know, immersive experience where I just want to be in to, to, to create what I, to, uh, what I want to create to complete the vision. You know, I want to be immersed, I guess, in this world. And, and yeah, that, that has a lot to do with just the artwork and, and surrounding myself with that type of stuff. I feel like getting from, you know, point A to point D or whatever the, being the end of the record, you know, sometimes that world for me at least can change from the beginning to the end. And, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of times it, it what, what the listeners uh, see or what the public gets is, is a kind of augmented version of where things started for us, you know what I mean? Sometimes it takes waiting to see what comes out at the end to, to figure out what that world is. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like, and then it, it just helps um, conveying the message to people, you know, to, ha to have visuals and, you know, other sort of special, special things, special performances, stuff to go along with it, just to sort of enhance um, where we're coming from. Um, and I think this one is just, uh, I think it's kind of different for all of us. Um, and I think the, the um, disparate nature of, um, of recording the record, you know, and the fact that we were all sort of doing it um, in isolation um, and separate from each other um, made, made the experience kind of quite different for each of us. But I, I feel like one of the main things that, or the world that we are trying to to convey in this is this sort of timeless, uh, timeless world, the, this world where linear time doesn't really exist so much. And, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that we were kind of, I mean, I, I feel like I dwell in that sort of existence for, for a lot of, of, of the creative process, especially, but I feel like the pandemic and quarantine really put um, the majority of people I feel like in the world probably in this kind of like holding pattern or timeless state you know where I feel like it it um, was really on the brain a lot and I feel like so that provided you know this that the notion of time and and this sort of like non-linear time world existence um, 
being part of the world that we're creating with this with this record. And with, with that title, of course, Time Skips and watching the video to Walker, I, I was thinking back probably, you know, movies I've seen, books I've read when you have those moments. And again, looking at that music video for Walker and, and thinking, I love like time, time travel, all of that stuff. That, that's one of my favorite subjects, especially when it comes to arts. But my God, would it be scary to actually be presented in a situation like that music video? I don't think my brain could handle that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know whether it's a, you know, it'd be a bad trip or a <laughs> trip. <laughs> that's interesting, though, you know, because there, of course, inevitably, well, I won't say inevitably, it seems like in this situation anyway, that, you know, certain words come up more often than not. Like the sun seems to play a very big role uh, on this record. Which might not be the first time, but uh, but but it just does pop up, and and I, I don't know if there's a relation with with the sun's appearance throughout multiple songs and what we're talking about with nonlinear time or anything. I mean, is that something that you figure out on the back end after it's done? Going, oh look, that was there a lot. Yeah, I think that's that's the kind of thing where it's usually just sort of like putting these 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 puzzle pieces together, you know, and sort of creating a map from all of that and saying, oh yeah, that's the overall scheme the overall arc that's that's kind of what we're trying to say you know what i mean it's like you know and you don't realize till till you're out of it looking back how everything kind of did did play a play a part you know or does play there's there are all these little pieces that provide meaning and I, but i feel like the sun you know um the sun guides the time of the day you know obviously it's a, it's a super important part of the day daylight and uh and so in that sense yeah it's it's relation to time becomes very you know, very obvious or very apparent. We all come uh, off of sort of an environmental project anyway with uh, Tangerine Reef, the uh, the audio visual record. Did that, be because being that was the thing right before this as a collective, uh, some form of the collective anyway, do you see now looking back, did that have any, was, is there a bridge from that record to this one? I think um, for me personally, there is just in terms of, um, finding my way back into uh, a personal recording setup, a uh, personal studio setup in my house. Um, since uh, a lot of that was, was kind of done at home as well. You know, we, we recorded it in, a, in, a, in an actual studio, but all of the prep, you know, and all of the writing was done at home and in home studios. And so I think that that kind of led the way, because then that sort of, uh, bled into me recording my my solo record which came right after that which was cows on hourglass pond and that was done at home as well so i think that kind of um yeah certainly led the way into this project for me i i i don't know i think originally this this project was supposed to take such a different path um and we were supposed to record it together in a studio and um we spent a lot of time in 2019 together writing and 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 putting the songs together and there was sort of a whole uh era of this of of some of these songs that come from uh, a show that we played in new orleans in 2018 um so i think in some ways this 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 record and this group of songs has had its own life and its own path kind of separate from from uh tangerine reef i mean especially because noah wasn't involved in that either but I feel like that time period around Tangerine Reef, I think there was a lot of, of just looking looking back for me on our on our career. I feel like 
interviews and, and press stuff that we were kind of asked to do at that time, I wanted to focus on, you know, the past. And it was sort of like the, the, uh, the anniversary of Meriwether Post Pavilion came up. So I feel like around that time, there was a lot of looking back for me and uh, just a lot of, um, you know, uh, being be, being uh, awoken to or 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 uh, just just reconnected to I guess is a better word the past and you know why we started making music in the first place and and what we're doing and you know we've had such a, a diverse career and, and done so many different awesome things uh, I mean awesome and like we've enjoyed them not necessarily that everybody else has but <laughs> that I'm just you know grateful for and uh so I think that time period around Tangerine Reef was just was it was important because it was kind of in between album cycles. And I kind of think it just for me, it was it was healthy and reconnecting me to just base, the basic roots of Animal Collective, you know, and that project was that kind of project for us, not not sort of doing a traditional record and and uh, doing something for more of a visual uh film or arts project you know something tied into that so I think doing that kind of thing always kind of makes us realize like oh yeah this is this is like the kind of band we are you know what I mean um we're not like a a, a one-hit wonder band or a band that's like focused on singles or something so much so I think writing all this new material we definitely I, I definitely like had all that uh, had all that mind in, in my heart you know it's an interesting point for any kind of band that has longevity too because Inevitably, if you make your mark with a sound, whichever sound happens to be at that time, and you're, you know, your fans, some fans will grab onto that. And of course, they're going to hold you to, you know, that moment where they connected their, their entry point for the band. And then for an artist, you try to progress, you try to keep going. But it does seem like at some point, if you're around long enough, and I say this for lots of bands, it seems like this anyway, from the outside, that you sort of have to reconcile with that moment of, of being like, hey, it's okay. It's okay if we do that a little bit again. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think for us, uh, well, I, I feel like it's a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? Because I feel like listeners, you know, are always going to interpret the music the way that, that, that they, 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 that they do, you know what I mean? And that I think that's, we're totally open to that. And I think that's good, but I think that makes it evident that um, people are often going to try and draw comparisons to records and say, Oh, this is definitely this. And like, you know, I, I read a million times like, Oh, this is, you know, Strawberry Jam meets Painting With, or this is Campfire Songs meets, uh, and uh, I feel like that's all positive, you know what I mean? I feel like it's, it, it, after a certain point, it becomes the fans' music and not ours more. So it's for the fans to draw, and I feel like that's the world that we're trying to create, and that's how we want to relate to people, and I think that's awesome. That might not be the way I see it, you know what I mean? I, I, I find that, like, Musically, we're often, uh, or most of the time, trying to like find new new places, new territory for ourselves. But as I feel like, as we always say, we're 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 still the same band. You know what I mean? I feel like at a certain point, like you're saying, after 20 years, especially, certain traits are always gonna always gonna come into the mix. And I feel like that's that's our personalities, and that's I would hope that's why people. Well, that's one of the reasons people like Animal Collective. You know what I mean? Because they relate to our our personalities in the band. And uh, so, you know, they're always, I feel like it's always crucial for us to feel like there is a, there's an animal collective element to, to what we're doing. Yeah. But, and it's interesting too, because 
you know, as you're saying, once it's out there, the music kind of becomes, you know, the, the, the audiences, the fans, the listeners, and the meaning that they inject into those songs can sometimes be right on board with what you meant and, and sometimes not. I was thinking back, especially, I think a lot of people are still talking, you know, it's like, uh, well, the Beatles documentary was just out with, with Get Back. And, and, and you see that moment, especially with the, with, with the song right there. It's like a song that was just jammed into existence and suddenly all this importance is given to it, you know, by, by other people. And, and, and speaking of these songs right here, or just any of your songs, like a lot of songs you do, you just kind of jam them into existence and they become something. What, what point does it become meaningful for you? Like how deliberate, I guess, is what I'm saying is like, do, do your lyrics have to be? How deliberate does this song have to stand for something immediately? Uh, I feel like it, that, that it varies. You know what I mean? I feel like for me personally, certain, certain lyrics and certain songs would just be, you know, innately tied together. And it's just sort of like, I, after a while, I, I can't, um, you know, separate lyric from the, the, the conception of lyrics and, and, and the tune or whatever. I feel like most songs, at least most songs that I write, the melodies come around first. And there's often sort of like a first draft of lyrics or maybe like the first thing I want this song to be about. And I feel like most of the time, I feel like the heart of that usually uh, most often carries into what the final outcome of the song or the final product. But I feel like in the beginning, it's usually just sort of like, I'll often just sing how I feel, you know, about, you know, in a, in a given day, how I'm that day. I feel like those, those are, you know, those are like my foundation lyrics, maybe. There have been songs like that. And then as I'm working on the song more and more, I don't know, I, I feel like I usually always want to try and write about something beyond myself in a way. I don't know, it seems, it feels just like very indulgent sometimes self-indulgent to just write about my problems or I don't know that kind of thing so I feel like especially more in the last kind of like five years I felt that way you know what I mean so I'm always just trying to search and, and I feel like that's that's what's good about Animal Collective and you know working on solo projects and kind of having the time away from working on Animal Collective Records is just because we, I feel like we all need this time of inspiration, you know what I mean, to sort of, and I feel like I just like to observe and, you know, um, I feel like traveling around and being, uh, and having this type of lifestyle and, and this being my work, like, you know, allows me to observe and, and I feel like that's, that's kind of like the real inspiration, you know, just kind of things I see and hopefully as I'm jotting notes down or making journal entries or whatever, taking photographs, uh, which I do a lot, I'll just remember and get inspired. Um, and it, it, it always is something that's meaningful to me. I feel like it's very rare that I'll write a song or write lyrics and I'm sort of like, all right, well, these are just sort of like whatever lyrics. I mean, there might be little filler words here and there that I use just to sort of like tie things together, add a little color or something like that. But I feel like at the end of the process at all, I try and, I try and hope, you know, hope at least it, it, you know, most of it has like deep meaning for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and looking at some of those too, like, um, I know Cherokee seems like an example of this, like, cause I know for some artists with the pan with, with lockdown pandemic, you know, no touring, you don't get as many experiences. So you have to look at these smaller moments, you know, and, 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 and 
the environment and I don't mean the environment like we were talking about earlier I mean just what's going on around you in those you know small moments I, I don't know if you had to experience any of that like I should also say with that song too there is some very very specific moments in in, in like that song and and I think I'm I think I'm assuming I think you're doing some songwriting on that one but uh, like at the at the Exxon, they were confused if I was American lines and stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, well, I mean, something like that. It, it's a and, and it's funny. I, I did some interview um, yesterday where they were asking me about um, very specific, very specific lines in that song too. It was actually an Italian uh, interview, and uh, I mentioned focaccia in that uh, song. And so you know, the journalist was like, "What's up with the you know the line about focaccia?" And so yeah, there's there's certain things I'll. Um, that song in particular for me, I think it's, I've seen it written about lately as, as, as sort of like a, a road trip kind of song, which it, it sort of is. I feel like I do a lot of road trips and that's how I see um, a lot of the U.S. at least. I feel like for me and for uh, the other guys, we've talked a, a little bit about, um, you know, coming from America, being American, what it, what it means these days to be a band from the United States of America, you know, and, and, you know, being a band that travels around the world, spreading a message and what are you trying to do? And, and that versus what it used to, what it used to mean to be an American band. And, and especially for a band like this, that's been, been doing this for so long. Yeah. It was just something we, we were enjoying questioning and thinking about a lot while making this. And I think Cherokee for me is part of that, you know? Um, and I think some really heavy, heavy issues, you know, definitely came to the surface during this, during this quarantine period. Um, and I think it's me working through that. Um, uh, there's a line um, in the, in the middle of it, that's sort of like the stoop that you love is fiending for meaning. And it's for me, that's sort of like, where did I come from? You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, have I taken where I, where I've come from for granted, you know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, just trying to, to make sense of, of, of certain aspects of my past um, in lieu of all the stuff that's happening right now. And so the song at its heart is about that. But yeah, the different, the different images that, that Exxon American, that actually happened to me. Like I was just, yeah, approached by somebody working at an Exxon that was like, do you speak English? And I don't know. I was like, yeah, uh, I don't <laughs> So you know, it's kind of stuff like that. And it happened to me on a road trip. So yeah, it's just stuff like that. That's like, it finds its way into a song. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the diversity of the world and people and strange people and I don't know, straight people. And you know what I mean? All the whole, the whole, the whole mix. Um, and so I just want to write about it all. You know what I mean? It's not, and it's not necessarily in a negative light. It's not in a positive light. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, that also has, there's, I have a few, I think, favorite lines on this record, but especially there, there will be lots of lonely mailboxes when language disappears. I think I've chewed on that one. Like, that's, that's a good line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about language a lot. We talk about language. I feel like uh, the other guys get really frustrated uh, with me sometimes just ranting about language and I find language for me most importantly is especially in terms of being a songwriter is just something that's fun to mess around with you know and I feel like that's probably clear from the songs that I write uh, there's a playfulness and sort of a, a, a looseness 
I take to language and words. And um, yeah, I, I think language is just something funny. So yeah, I envision, I, I envision, you know, maybe post-apocalyptic days of, of no language anymore, you know, or, or um, societies that speak just in symbols, that, that kind of thing, pictures. Um, and it's happened in the past and um, could happen in the future. And I feel like that's a lot of what this record is about as well for me is how, you know, how different are the past and the future really going to be, you know, and where are we headed and are we headed to where we've already been in the past or we're really progressing and what, you know, what's linear, uh, yeah, what, what hasn't happened already. And that's what like songs like we go back are about me and, and, uh, and, and putting my, my personal experience into them and, and, you know, definitive emotions. So there is like an emotional touch to it. I'm not just sort of, I don't want to read like a textbook or something like that. <laughs> emotion is important to me. And, and the, and the emotion of the songs is, is in the melodies, like the emotion is in the melody usually to me. And that's, that's what comes first. So I guess just going back to that earlier question, like it's sort of like what, what lyrics fit this emotion the best to me? Like, how can I make sense of this emotion? What am I feeling? And then it just comes out in these crazy lyrics. <laughs> so you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's almost a little surprising. I went back and I was watching your uh, What's in My Bag thing with uh, Amoeba Records, the video that's that's online. And, you know, and here you are, you're pulling out records by Sun Ra, uh, Kasugi, lots of artists that I, I can't even pretend like I can say their their name. And right. And you know, it's it, a lot of it is is interesting, but abstract uh, types of music. And then when you listen to your talent at melody, as we're talking about here, you know, and, and I only use this in a very broad term when I say pop, you know, but but there seems to be a little bit of a, a divide of, of of like the listening that you're showcasing, let's say, in that one specific. And I know people are multi layered. I don't know. Does that ever seem like that's do you have that argument with yourself? Like, is this too catchy? Because you write some really catchy stuff. <laughs> I mean, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I often I don't really think about it that much. I mean, it's just especially now it's like what I do and how I came into it and, um, you know, how I started what I started doing was just writing songs and, and writing melodies at the same time as exploring an interest in sound music, music concrete, minimalist drone music, whatever you want to call all of that stuff, intellectual music. Um, I feel like f for me, just, just using my imagination as a listener has always been really crucial and, and a good practice, you know, and I feel like a good practice for everybody, it's healthy to explore the imagination. And I think that's kind of what 
more noise sound music does for me you know it allows me it's more open it's like and maybe it's because I write melodies you know and and that's a practice I like that I can sort of um you know sort of infuse my listening experience with that you know it's sort of I can take music like that where I want to you know and if I feel like putting my own melody if that if that happens when I'm listening to something like that like Kasugi and I put in my own melodies or something while I'm listening to it that's just a cool part of the listening experience um for my own stuff yeah I guess it's not sometimes I'm I'm interested in in, in a sound or or making a song that or a record I feel like that's that's more based on 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 sounds and sound quality and textures and I feel like that it's just whatever sort of strikes me as inspiring like oh that's it's sort of just like you know it's like oh that's the song or and there's other times where it's like I've got this I've got this melody that I want to do something with and you know that's what the song it needs to be about you know I feel like I feel like the trick is is just not especially these days uh, is not overcrowding a song with too much you know like too much you know what I mean it's finding the right balance and balance is just the key to to living for me you know what I mean just sort of like the trick you know finding balance it's it's tough so I feel like that's I, that goes in tandem living and and the music process with me just sort of like finding my way you know finding the way to do that kind of stuff is the best way and I feel like the balance of those worlds the sort of more sonic textural world and the, the melodic world are, are, are the best, is, is the best place to be, but it's not always, you know, that, that achievable, I don't know. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, you do it well. And, you know, as a fan um, with this record, with uh, all the stuff that you've done in the past, with the, with the solo stuff I was looking, and I'll wrap up here too, I know we're loose on time, but uh, Pandemic Dream number four, I know came out on Bandcamp uh, and just, you know, in this solo record, what you do that balance is what i'm trying to get out of here is so well done uh, I, I love it man I, I really do yeah i mean i think it's you know some personally done better than other times but you know we try, try. did i did i see somewhere that uh, you all talked about maybe a companion record to go along with this one uh yeah i mean i don't really want to call it a comp i guess it is a companion record in that it's a, we we yeah i think we wrote about like 26 songs um or put 26 songs together in 2019, um, which were all really important to us. And the original idea was to, you know, go into a studio with an engineer and uh, record all of this stuff. Um, I feel like uh, because of having to quarantine, we couldn't do that, but there were certain songs that we felt the energy and the magic to them sort of like really had to do with us. Um, playing them together. I mean, we probably could have recorded them at home, you know, and done it the same way. But I feel like for us, it just, it just would have changed things a little too much. And I think it also just would have made it too similar to time skips, you know? And so, yeah, we've just decided to record these other, other remaining songs that we have, which are nine songs in a studio, which we have at this point. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's hard to say right now if there, if it's a full record that there's definitely a record in there because it's, uh, it's, there's some long songs and it's, it's a good amount of material. Um, but I can't really say if they'll all be on a record or, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah, now we have this other, this other group, group of songs that we have something to do with, which we will hopefully soon. <laughs> awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing those in the meantime, man. 
congratulations again on Time Skips. It's such a wonderful record, and, uh, and thanks for taking the time to talk about it. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for talking. Now, I'm also going to include a uh, 2019 interview I had with uh, Panda Bear of Animal Collective. This one's where we got to talk about his uh, solo record called uh, Buoys. It's ties to his uh, person pitch record and Animal Collective's Meriwether Post Pavilion. We also got to talk a bit about uh, uh, that uh, 2018 visual LP that we discussed in the uh, AV Terror uh, interview right here. So let's do this one, part two of Kyle Meredith with Animal Collective. What's up, Kyle? You having a good day? I'm having a good day. It's uh, it's drizzly and 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 gray and everything that I love. So I'm uh, nice. I'm comfortable. <laughs> I do I do like the drizzly days. Yeah. Uh, uh, super uh, super hard rain where I don't feel like I really don't like going outside. I, that's kind of a drag to me. But any sort of rain that I still feel kind of comfortable walking around it is uh is okay with me. Yeah. Congratulations on this. What a fu- thanks, man. Yeah, really fun listen. I, I want to start with what you said about this, how, how the previous records feel like it's its own chapter, and this feels like something something new for you. Uh, I was hoping you would mm-hmm. expand on that a bit. Yeah, uh, mostly it comes from sort of realizing before I started writing songs for, the, for this one that there was a couple sort of techniques or ways of producing things, I guess aesthetics, you might say, that I really didn't want to keep going down that road. Or I guess I felt like there were certain things I'd kind of taken to the extreme to the point where I was there was kind of nowhere left to go with them. And so I knew that the new thing was going to be something different. I, I can't say I had like a really specific vision of what it was going to become, but I figured not kind of allowing myself to do this sort of suite of things that the new thing would uh, inevitably be uh, something kind of different and, and fresh, at least for me. And, and so what did that turn out to be? Because I, I know what I hear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew I wanted to do like a, a singular vocal kind of thing. The vocal was a bit more like intimate, almost like private in a way, something kind of a bit more like vulnerable, maybe sounding. Because one of the things that I feel like ties the previous three records is like the vocal production and sort of this way I had of doing a lot of vocal stacking and harmonies and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd kind of tried on homies to make it work, but could never figure out a way of doing that, doing the, the voice that sounded kind of pleasing to me. Um, so Rusty's first suggestion was like the auto-tune stuff. And that kind of became sort of like the basis upon which we sort of built the rest of the vocal production stuff, uh, which eventually kind of became the sound of the of the, the vocals on the record. I know we hear some acoustics too, especially in the, in Token. I heard you know I heard you say a lot of these songs were written on the tour, and I thought, is that the connection here? Because any other time you hear about an artist writing a lot on tour, you know, one of two things happen is you get your road record or you get more of an acoustic, you know, sounding thing. Well, I mean, it wasn't so much written on tour as much as it was like practicing the song tongue stuff because I hadn't really played guitar very much. So it kind of took me a while to kind of get my hands to, to do that again. I guess I got really weak hands, but uh, <laughs> so like just kind of like practicing the song tongue songs and using the guitar, I kind of just got juiced to to use that as like a device to write songs again, which is something I hadn't really done in a bunch of years, I guess. Yeah, it's it's such a cool sound of what you've done with it, too. I mean, I, I love the way it plays Thanks. out on that song, uh, especially that song, I should say. And I want to bring up one more quote, too, because uh, <laughs> I thought this one was a bit more uh, on the fun side because you said it feels like what, what you like about these songs is it feels like there are sections of the songs that are actually missing. And and I started mm-hmm. thinking of, of the way a painter has to tell themselves at some point that the painting is done. 
and the restraint it must have taken to go, it sounds like parts are missing, and that's exactly how I want it. Yeah, I mean, the big thing for us was kind of noticing that the sub-bass stuff, like the really deep, low stuff, it just wouldn't really act in the same way if we added a whole bunch of sounds in there. It's like the more we would take out of the arrangements, the more that that really deep stuff would really kind of punch out. And at a certain point, it felt like all the kind of high stuff and the vocal, uh, to a certain extent, would kind of like rest on the sub-bass stuff. And it only worked that way when the arrangements were really empty kind of feeling. So that's kind of why we kept going down that that road. Um, It is a bit of a trade-off as far as like, knowing that there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to listen to the thing on like laptop speakers or earbuds or something like that, something that can't really represent a lot of like the really subby frequencies. So it's, we did try to make sure that that, that sort of listening experience would be pleasing on some level. But uh, to me, it's kind of like half, half the image or half the story in a way. Well, speaking of the story, you know, as we talk about the thread that ties it all musically, what about lyrically? Did, mm-hmm. did you find that that was happening as well? You know, and, and I, and I want to hit on that, uh, on the single there as well, because I would like to hear about Token and everything. I mean, when we hear about slapping the jelly ass, it, that's going to be a line yeah. that we're going to use for a long time out of context, I'm sure, around here. So, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the lyrics are sort of a, a, a or like the, the style of writing lyrics is kind of a reflection of what's going on in the music as far as there isn't really like a, a narrative with, with the words. There isn't like a kind of linear sort of approach. It's more like patchworky or quilty or kind of uh, collage-y, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, to be more specific about the token song, eh, that song's really about like uh, kind of different kinds of love and loving and how they can get sort of confused and, and mixed up sometimes. So I wanted to put in these sort of like hypersexual interjections here and there, sort of as like a reflection of the sexual impulse, I suppose, and how it can like show itself in kind of odd moments sometimes in really like extreme sort of ways. Um, so I hope that these these phrases in the song would kind of act in that way. Working again with Rusty Santos, I mean, that should be brought up because, you know, famously, uh, you all worked together on Person Pitch back in 07, which is now looked at as a landmark monumental record. You know, as you talk about this being a new chapter, uh, it's is it interesting that it feels like, but there's still a thread to the past there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, besides Rusty, yeah, there's like a bunch of parallels, not only to Song Tongues for me, but um, a lot to the, the Person Pitch record that I did. Uh, I mean, there's like the Rusty connection, but there's also sort of like a watery sort of theme that I feel like kind of goes with a lot of the Person Pitch stuff. There's Liz is Crying on the Inner Monologue song, which reminded me of the the Bros song mm-hmm. on Person Pitch, which, which has a lot of like crying figures in it. And of course, like the the guitar, the acoustic guitar sort of ties it to Sung Tong. And it's the same like tuning on the guitar as Sung Tong. So there's a bunch of links to kind of older stuff, which I thought was kind of cool. And especially as it comes around to these anniversaries, I mean, what what, what nice way for that all to line up. And I hope you don't mind, I, I would like to jump back to the big one that just happened with the, the 10th anniversary of, of, of Meriwether Post Pavilion as well, because... Sure, yeah, you yeah know, sure. As we look back and in, in, in the way history has tied it all together, you know, Person Pitch seems like it was so connected with how Meriwether also came to be, you know, the way it is. And, and now that sort of makes that album as well, uh, in a way, intertwined with this new and... <laughs> you know, as, as it all kind of, as you're talking about, swirls around each other. When you look mm-hmm. back on that 10 years ago, what stands out for you now? I mean, for Meriwether, uh, it's really 
like the kind of what was going on for me personally and sort of what was happening on a personal level in the band and the sort of times that we had making that thing that kind of stick out to me or that resonate with me more than actually the music or the songs, which is maybe kind of a weird thing to say, but the, uh, there was just very few like hurdles. There was very little adversity making that one. Um, so I just, whenever I hear those songs and think about that record, I'm kind of reminded more of like the, the times rather than, uh, the music did it feel like the leap that it's now been painted out to be when 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 you all did it um i mean similar to this one it did feel like a different thing for us but that was kind of or i guess i could say that continues to be kind of the modus operandi in a way with the with the group i feel like just as creative people were sort of most attracted to the unknown or like something that's not within our grasp um i think we kind of get excited about kind of pushing ourselves into spaces that feel kind of uncomfortable. Uh, Sometimes that might mean that the results are kind of odd or maybe aren't immediately successful, but uh, uh, I'm okay with that. It kind of of makes me feel like the ball continues to roll, which is uh, something I'm I'm happy about. It's also interesting to look back, you know, to see what influenced your all sound at the time, but but really to see what was influenced in turn. I mean, that's it's talked about the game changer, not just in, in you know its own genre, not just in indie music, but even in as we hear like uh, uh, alternative R and B these days. Like when I hear that, it feels like there is a line, a very thick line that connects back to what you all were doing that day. And yeah, I mean, it's certainly flattering to hear, but at the same time, like I know there's been times where we might've made something and somebody would say, Oh, you were obviously inspired by this thing. And it turns out like we weren't, or at least we weren't conscious of it. So I don't like to, I don't like to assume that even if something kind of sounds like something that we might've done, that it was serves as some kind of influence. But uh, at least when people, you know, will tell me literally that, you know, something that we did in the past has inspired them in some way, it's, it's definitely a, very, uh, very gratifying, very flattering, for sure. And, and, and the amount you all had been working at that point, you know, for, for something like that to come out of, because I think uh, under the Animal Collective, you know, um, timeline, there is an album like every year for eight or nine years. Did mm-hmm. success slow that at all? Did success kind of, you know, pull you guys back from working that, you know, that aggressively? Uh, I feel like it pulled us more into like a cycle of kind of doing things the same the same way, not make not not like making the same music, but it seemed like for a while there it was always the same three or four of us on every record. Where I feel like sort of the initial idea of of the group was that there'd be kind of all this different stuff happening all the time, as far as like each of us kind of making our own stuff and then different formations of us making stuff together. And I actually feel like we've kind of come full circle back to that like it seems like these days there's a lot more sort of splintering off of various projects and i'm encouraged by that i i I like that kind of style in fact i mean if i have it right tangerine reef last year was the first animal collective full length for you not to be on right that's right yeah so i'm i'm excited by uh by the newness of of stuff like that what was your take on that you know having not been through the process with them uh, i mean were you able to really check it out and 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 live with it yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's cool for me that I can um, really enjoy it in a way that I can't really enjoy something that I'm a part of, it, just insofar as, like, making the thing, you're so kind of, like, in it, in a way. It was nice to uh, to experience uh, music from 
a combination of us that I, I could just approach in a really sort of pure way. And that being, you know, sort of uh, as it's touted as a visual album, I, I do wonder if that's going to rub off on future writing sessions at all, because it's such a unique piece, you know, as it stands. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it, the music almost operates in a different way when you have the visuals there with it. I mean, I still think it, it, it's cool on its own, but it does kind of feel like Voltron when you see it all together, it like becomes this sort of different beast in a way. With so much going on, do you know your next plans uh, with within or without the group? Yeah, uh, I'll do a little bit of touring by myself uh, to support the, the release. Uh, I, I don't think I'll do a, a whole lot, but just, just a bit in the spring. And then uh, it seems like the band is going to get back together to to work on some stuff, maybe in the summer or thereabouts. Um, so I'm kind of shifting over to kind of animal collective zone again. Never stops. Yeah, I kind of I kind of can't. I don't, I don't mean to complain. I'm certainly happy to do it, but uh, I gotta I gotta keep things moving. Gotta keep the train running. I'm gonna ask a um, a fan deep question here. Um, about uh, a Tiba song, the Atiba song, if I'm saying that right, and mm-hmm. if it'll ever get the official release, because it seems like a lot of your fans would love that. <laughs> yeah, no, no plans to do that, uh, I'm sad to say. But I, I, I also can't say it'll never happen, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was a song that I made for my, my friend Atiba was making some kind of, um, it was sort of like a test video for a camera that they were starting to use uh, for a skateboard video. Um, and he just asked me for some music to kind of accompany this sort of test that they had done. Um, and that's, that's what I made the song for. Uh, I'm glad that people like it so much that they want like an official release. I'd have to, it would take me a while to find it. I think I'm not really sure where the, where the, like the studio project is, but yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out entirely. Congratulations again, Noah. Bowie's is a, a lot of fun to listen to. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it. And, uh, and we'll look forward to all the stuff that keeps rolling in from you. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time today. Enjoy the uh, drizzly day. I will absolutely do that. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Peace. And again, the brand new Animal Collective record is called Time Skips. Big thanks to uh, Avi Terre. Big thanks to Panda Bear. Big thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Again, before you get out of here, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out uh, every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions. Anywhere you get your podcast from, subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, mostly on Twitter, also Facebook and Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. You know, for about two minutes into the interview, I got started getting a nosebleed. Had that little moment of panic for a quick second there, like, Uh-oh. oh no. Yeah, it's all good. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.